During our last study, If You Know, You Know, I propose that if you know Jesus, you're going to want to live for him out of gratitude for what he's done on the cross for you and me. And if you don't know Jesus, the idea of living for him will seem weird and maybe even foolish or stupid to you. But I also deep dived a bit into the topic of God's grace, which brings salvation to all mankind. That is to say, salvation is available to all who call upon the name of the Lord. In today's study, we'll see an emphasis on God's goodness. Why does our God do what he does? It's because he's just so good. So if you have your Bible and you're able to read along, I'm picking up in Titus, Paul's letter to Titus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And the word of God reads like this. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable. Amen. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the doing of his word. Right there in verse 1 when Paul says, you know, remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work. The general disposition of the Christian, biblically speaking, is one of submission and obedience. And I say biblically speaking because when, you know, when reading this as an American, you think that we have kind of rebellion in our DNA, <laughs> just in the fact that our forefathers stood up to the tyrannical church government of the King of England in the blessed revolution. I think that needed to happen. Generally speaking, on a day-to-day, our first go-to, first kind of inclination should be one of submission and obedience to rulers and those in authority. This is the second time Paul mentions doing good works. He said in chapter 2 verse 7 we ought to show a pattern of good works. And a pattern there is the Greek tupos. If you write it out it looks like typos. Not like a typo, like a mistake, but something that's typed. It's a stamp, a scar, a shape, a symbol. So we are to be a a shape and a symbol, a, a stamp of good works on the minds of those who see us, on God's mind first, because we really live for an audience of one, but we recognize that other people are watching. And we are to exemplify what every good work looks like. 
Why is that? Because we're supposed to demonstrate what our God looks like. In fact, we, we tend to resemble whatever or whomever it is that we worship. We, we, we're created as imagers of God. We're supposed to image our God, what he's like in his character and his nature and all of his goodness. And because he's good, we're supposed to do good. Paul says, remind them to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. I think that's a good good place to start when trying to be good, speaking evil of no one, being peaceful, peaceable, generally pleasant to be with, gentle, showing all humility to all men. This isn't to say that we are always nice to everyone. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus publicly calls people, usually religious people, hypocrites, fools, foxes, and snakes. In Acts 13 verse 10, when the Apostle Paul was invited to share the Gospel with a city official, And a local sorcerer, Elimas, interrupted him. Paul called that man a fraud, son of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness. And then pronounced darkness on this sorcerer guy. And he went around blind for a while. I mean, that's that's not nice. But Paul here, in telling Titus to tell the church in Crete to be peaceable and to speak evil of no one, he's not being hypocritical here. The Greek for speaking evil, it's really one word, blasphemo. We might recognize that word as blaspheme, and it means to vilify someone, to attribute certain undeserving qualities, or to claim certain undeserving qualities. I'll give you two examples. One, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verses 63 to 65, when the high priest was questioning Jesus, he says, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further do we need? What further need do we have? of of witnesses. Look, you have now heard his blasphemy. I need to work on my accent there. Or maybe my reading. Jesus, Jesus attributed certain qualities to himself. They were, they were angry at the fact that he said that, you know, yeah, it just, it's just as you say. Not only that, but you're going to see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power of God and coming on the clouds of heaven. He felt it all right to make that statement Jesus did. His alleged blasphemy was more than human. He would be on the right hand of God, which is a position of authority. He would be returning from heaven with power. These are things he attributed to himself rightly. They considered it a blasphemy that he shouldn't have attributed those certain qualities to himself. So that was his alleged blasphemy. In Mark chapter 15, verses 29 to 30, it's written, those who passed by as Jesus was on the cross, when they passed by, they blasphemed him. 
wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. These people blasphemed Jesus and that they did not believe he had the power to rise from the dead when he did. So this whole speaking blasphemy or speaking evil of of no one, as Paul tells us, we speak evil of no one in that we do not slander or vilify others wrongfully. If they are who they say they are, and we try to poke holes in that, in fact, if you look up some of the definitions of that word blasphemo, it's, I've found it to say, you know, to poke holes in something. It's interesting. You can poke holes in cheese. It's still going to be cheese. <laughs> we speak the truth, or at least we're supposed to speak the truth, without embellishing or disrespecting people. I think we're guilty of this kind of blasphemy when we use words like always and never like you you always say that thing or you never take out the trash i always take out the garbage or i always wash the dishes you know when we use terms like always and never we remove the possibility of that thing ever happening at all ever so be careful in the way that we communicate with people i think that's what paul is saying here. And then remember, that devil, man, our opponent and adversary, Satan, is called the father of lies. And we can count on Satan, on him or them. We know there's one serpent that we follow throughout the narrative of the scriptures. But when you think of Satan, you also think about all of our adversaries, many, so many of them, thinking, painting a most distasteful picture <clears throat> of us before the, our Father. <laughs> and the truth is, we are, or we were at least, far worse than our enemy can accuse us. <laughs> we're, I mean, we are sinful. We are wretched. We are very incredibly selfish. And so keeping this in mind will help us to be humble in our interactions with others. You know, we can't go around all high and mighty. And if God has, you know, sanctified us and we are holier than we used to be, we still have to be careful we don't have a holier-than-thou attitude when interacting with people because that salvation that's being worked out in us, that's the work of God. It really is, man. We've got to be humble. Speak evil of no one. He says... In verse 3, for we ourselves were also once foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Think about our lives B.C., (laughs) before Christ, right? Foolish man, disobedient, deceived, lustful, malicious, envious, filled with hate. That was me. But Paul says we... We ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and so on. Even though Paul was a godly man in his life before Christ, in pursuit of being good enough, working hard at that as a Pharisee, 
He includes himself here amongst the foolish and disobedient and deceived and malicious and hateful and hating one another. He doesn't say, remember when you, you guys were that way and I was over here being a good Pharisee? No. So I appreciate that about Paul. He's always quick to throw himself under the bus, but he's also very quick to remember who he is as a man of God. And he has the kind of Christian witness and walk in such a way to say, hey, follow me, do what I do. What changed Paul? I mean, really, if you think about it, what, what changed him? It's the same thing that changes us. It's God's kindness. It's his goodness. He said in verse 4, but when the kindness and the love of God, this, this again is following his confession, we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient and deceived and serving all kinds of lust and pleasures and living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, oh man, that word kindness in Greek is Christostes. And it means, it can be translated kindness as it is in the New King James Version. But it's goodness in the sense of moral excellence. It means to be good through and through, entirely good. Like when Paul said in Romans 2 verse 4, you despise, or he says, it's a question, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his Christostes? His forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God, the Christostes of God, leads you to repentance. Love that, man. It's the goodness of God. When we see that he's good through and through, entirely good in who he is and character and nature, and in his grace toward us, when we are affected by his goodness, that goodness, man, for those of us who know him, has caused us to repent, to turn our hearts toward him. And we're saved. And he said in verse 5 that we're saved in this, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, which he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he has made us alive. He's regenerated us by his Holy Spirit. And he's made us new. Man, I'll never forget how new I felt when I prayed this prayer with the brother who was sharing the gospel with me for the first time, 17 years old, sitting in his pickup truck at night after a day's work. And he asked me, Jason, do you want peace with God? Do you want to know that if you died right now, you would spend an eternity with Jesus? And I said, yeah, yeah, how do I do that? And we prayed this prayer, and I, by the grace of God and, and the power of his Holy Spirit, confessed Jesus as Lord, believed that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead. I remember leaving that pickup truck and riding my bicycle home and just feeling new. Like, you know, all of my sins being washed away. I, man, I just thinking about that, remembering that right now. I, I'm so grateful to God in Christ. This Holy Spirit, Paul says in verse 6, whom he, 
He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Notice he said, whom he poured out on us, not what. Without the saving work of Jesus Christ, we could not experience the long-term indwelling of God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we just have this energy in us or upon us. We have God's presence, God himself, closer than our breath, poured out on us, living in us abundantly. We now have this Holy Spirit with us. And that, man, we, that's, that's also part, that's part of the gospel. It's part of the good news. I mean, we have God with us and in us. And we're not doing this Christian life on our own, even though many times I try to be Christian without Christ, just, you know, memorizing scripture and doing the thing and going to church and going through the motions. Sometimes my heart distant from God. When all the while his Holy Spirit is there, is here with me, calling me into a more intimate relationship with him. We need more of God's presence. Rather, we need more obedience and submission to the Spirit of God in our lives. Paul says, after having this abundance of the Holy Spirit poured upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Some have described this word justified as just if I'd never sinned before. <laughs> I just think that's cool. I mean, I, our God sees us as if we've never sinned before. Just if I'd never sinned before, even though I've got plenty of sin in my past. And there's probably very likely plenty of sinning in my future as well because I'm still just naturally inclined to sin. And yet our God is good and He's so good that he's declared us righteous as if we've never ever sinned before in Christ because Christ is perfect. No better place to be than in Christ that we might be rightful heirs of eternal life. And remember, eternal life is not a place where we go. It's a person we get to know. Adopted by the king, we've been, you know, we've inherited a right relationship and all the royal benefits thereof. And then Paul says, this, this is a faithful saying, man. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. You know, I'm planning on discussing in more detail during our next study, but it's important to note in short here just how much Paul wants believers in Jesus to maintain good works, right? It's a faithful saying that we've been justified by his grace, that we should be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He wants us to affirm this to, to each other constantly. This is what we should be talking about, encouraging each other with this. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Maintain here can be described as keeping ranks. 
keeping ranks. For those of you who are in the military or who have marched before, it's important when marching to guide right, right? Like you align yourself through your peripheral vision to the person on your right. You don't go faster or slower than the person on your right. You keep arms distance to the person in front of us normally. We're staying in step. And when we do it, when we do it right, man, it looks good. It looks good. We want to be in step with one another. We want to be in step with the Holy Spirit. We ought to be good because He is good. So in closing, you know, I ask you these questions as I'm asking myself. Are you submissive to rulers and authorities or are you rebellious? Do you blaspheme others or are you peaceable, gentle, showing humility to all? Do you remember how foolish and disobedient and deceived and lustful and malicious, envious and hateful you were before Christ? Or are you still foolish and disobedient and and deceived and lustful and so on? When was the last time you really pondered God's goodness and thanked Him for His goodness? Are you aware of the Spirit the Spirit of God in your life? And finally, are you being careful to maintain good works? Our actions demonstrate what or whom we love and worship. And when we love and worship our good God, we will be good like Him. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for this exhortation to be subject to rulers and authorities, to really do the best we can to maintain a good witness and build bridges with others to share the gospel that we might have good works that we might be inclined to be peaceable and gentle and humble that we might remember Lord that we were once foolish and disobedient and deceived and ran after all kinds of nastiness and And all of this to our own hurt and to the hurt of others, Lord. Help us remember your goodness, your kindness that has appeared to us in Jesus Christ, Lord. That we might be tempered with humility. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us, whom you have poured out upon us abundantly. That we might live this kind of life that's pleasing to you and that's attractive to others, and that is offensive to our enemy, Lord. We love you, praise you, and so help us, God, in Jesus' name, to be the kind of people you want us to be. Amen.